All right, you know what? Enough beating around the bush. It's time to get to what everyone wanted us to talk about with Tony here. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, everybody. I'd like to welcome you back to the Greg Cody Show. And um, who out there has a mother? Everybody? Um, I'd like to remind everybody that... uh, It's a little indelicate. You know, I feel like some people have mothers and the people that don't are uh, a little sad now because of what you just said. Okay, but everybody did at one time. And Mother's Day is not just for the mothers who are with us, but for the memories of them and all that, not to get too sappy. My own mother is now uh, up in heaven uh, singing with bluebirds and looking down on me. But uh, Mother's Day is coming up, so don't forget that. Uh, but was that a PSA to start the episode? What was it, ha- what it, just I guess there? it was a PSA, yeah. But uh, let's honor our mothers, uh, even if they were lousy mothers. Quite frankly, even if they didn't take care of you and they abandoned you, give them a give them a thought. This coming. that we need to put that under some like soft like soft music right there. That was just a delightful. That 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 was like a a Hallmark card you just. Read. It really was. Let's honor our mothers. Even if they were lousy mothers, quite frankly. Even if they didn't take care of you and they abandoned you, give them a give them a thought. Yeah, and uh, you know what else is a Hallmark card? The Dolphins draft, because the Dolphins, I I feel like singing the the Dolphin fight song right now because they absolutely. Nailed it. Why don't we sing the theme song, Greg? Uh, Miami has the Dolphins, Dolphins. the greatest greatest football team. team. They take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. My voice is a little off this morning. I'm a little uh, horsey. Frog. Honestly, though, but honestly, though, your voice, the singing is much better than it was six months ago. Like your voice, that's a, that's an underreported thing in recent months. Your voice has kind of made a little. I will say that I've still lost my falsetto. I can't hit the high notes like I used to. You know, I used to do all three Gib brothers and uh, and I just can't uh, get up there. My my higher octave has uh, has left me. So the Dolphins draft uh, Jalen, Jalen and Javon to lead the draft, the three J's. Um, they hit everything they needed. Uh, Jalen Waddle is the best receiver they could have gotten because they didn't get lucky, obviously, with Pitts and uh, and Chase. Hold on, though. But I, I, we're doing this thing where we're like assessing these picks. Right. These picks, we don't. Nobody knows anything. Mel Kiper Jr. doesn't even know anything. Nobody well, knows anything. How can we say this was a good draft? I'm with you in theory. They got Jalen Phillips, the defensive end from Miami, who's if he wasn't for injury concerns, would have been a higher pick. And then, of course, Jalen Waddle, like flip a coin with those other receivers. Who knows who's going to be good? But like, I just love how we assess these things right afterwards when we really don't know. Well, doing a mock draft is all guesswork. I'll give you that. But Mel Kiper Jr. does spend the entire year on this thing. It's a cottage industry with him. And he gave two A grades coming out of this draft. One of them was the L.A. Chargers, and the other was your Miami Dolphins. Wow. Yeah, I saw that a lot of people love the Chargers draft. But uh, my favorite part, speaking of Mel Kuyper, my favorite part of watching this weekend, the draft, was Saturday, which was day three. So it's rounds four through seven. So you think to yourself, why was that the most fun for you to watch, Chris? Yes. Watching Mel, because this is when we finally got Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay next to each other during the draft. And, man, 
Can you feel the resentment between those two? Todd McShay wants Mel Kuyper's things, and he is done beating around the bush. At one point, Mel referenced the Senior Bowl, and Todd, under his breath, is like, oh, you actually showed up to a Senior Bowl. Like, uh-huh. I'm telling you, these two, like, I guarantee you, after that broadcast, Mel went to the high ups and was like, I don't like the way Todd McShay treated me there. You do not undercut my analysis. Like, it was just one of those things where you were looking at Mel Kuyper, and he was smiling, but he was seething. Right. It is a very interesting dynamic between those two, because for years and years, it was just Mel. He was the only guy doing the mock draft, and then they bring in the younger McShay, and for the last several years, the two of them have had competing mock drafts. And this year, Todd McShay kicked Kuyper's ass. Todd McShay crushed it you could see that he was feeling himself i think maybe that is what made him feel that he could talk crap to kuiper he's just like right. i'm the young gun i'm coming for your stuff and i'm better than you now at this and it was right. just you could feel you could honestly feel the tension at one point reese davis was like all right guys settle down settle down like it was literally contentious and i loved every second right. of it i always compare my mock draft to kuiper and mcshay because they're like the, the gold standard and um, I had seven exactos this year, which is the right player to the right team. And Kuiper also had seven. So I did as well as he did. And McShay had 11. That's a lot. Wait, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about the first round? Yeah. I thought you had six. I had seven exactos. Wait, are you doing that thing where you had six, but then you have that one uh, where it didn't go to the right team, but you got them in the exact right spot? Are you counting that as an exacto? I'm counting exact player to exact team. The discrepancy may be that I did have seven, but one of them was not in the position. Uh, one of them was the, the team I picked for that player ended up getting that player, but lower in the draft or something like okay. that. Um, <laughs> or something yeah. like that. I feel like you had six. Anyway. <laughs> No, I did. I had yeah, seven. No. Greg, that brings up brings up to the point. I've had some audience members ask me this. And wh- why do you call them exactos when it should be on Greg Cody brand to call them zagactos? <laughs> That's so good. From now on, they will be. From now on, they will be. Okay. Uh, I, okay. I'd, I'd never thought of that, but that's great. Zagaki and exacto had a baby. And uh, we're going to see the result in next year's draft. Uh, that was fantastic. But I want to belabor this dolphin draft a little bit. Christopher, I agree with what you say in terms of nobody knows anything. You know, you can't judge a draft for two years. That's all true, but I feel like I know the first two picks. Uh, I've watched Jalen Waddle a lot over the years, and Jalen Phillips obviously is from my own backyard. I've seen him play. I can testify that those two guys are going to be NFL stars, barring injuries. What I love about the NFL draft is I went into that thinking, okay, Dolphins, I want I want as a receiver, I want Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith. Like that's just where my mindset was going in because those were kind of the guys people were talking about the most. And then they get Jalen Waddle and Mel Kiper compares him to Tyree Kill. Boom, sold. I don't care. I love him. Love the pick. Like I know I don't know anything, so I'm just going to be optimistic and excited about every pick because right. why not? Yeah, exactly. Kiper had uh, Jalen Waddle as his fifth ranked overall player on his big board, the, uh, number five overall, and. For what it's worth, in my mock draft, I had Jalen Waddle picked six or seven slots ahead of Devonta Smith, uh, which ended up happening. So, you know what we should do? Maybe next week, since we didn't plan it out properly, we should give draft grades to all the draft grades. <laughs> Whatever the draft grades get, we grade those grades. That's true. That's true. Let's do that. Because uh, I, because if, if if he's given the Dolphins an A, I'm giving that a B plus. That grade. <laughs> I don't know if I fully agree with it. You think it's a little over the top, huh? Yeah. Um, now, the the two seventh-round picks, I know nothing about. I'm not even going to pretend to know them. 
But the middle three picks, uh, after Jalen Waddle and Jalen Phillips, the Dolphins had three picks that have been acclaimed for good reason. Uh, in the second round, the safety, Javon Holland from Oregon. They're talking about him uh, being a starter from day one at free safety. That's how good he is. Somebody, I can't recall who, might have been Daniel Jeremiah, somebody called him the best defensive player in the entire draft, for what it's worth. Later in the second round, uh, Liam Eichenberg, the tackle from Notre Dame, um, they moved up to get him. They gave up a third-round pick to get him, but uh, they're talking about him being the starting right tackle, which is Tua's blind side. So they think he's that good. And then in the third round, they get the tight end from Boston College, Hunter Long. Uh, you know, he's not Kyle Pitts, obviously, but they got a really productive tight end who's going to be a great compliment for Mike Gusecki. So they, they, I think they hit all the buttons. I think they did everything they needed to do for this depth chart. And um, I, I just think... Look at I, you. You love the draft, huh? Just dissecting three picks. Well... I've never heard of any of them. All I know is I saw that Holland guy, those those clips that they showed of him, he looks like a missile. I like it. I will say, uh, you know, Levitard always makes fun of me for being a homer. I don't think I am. I, I think I am can be very critical, and I rarely come out of a Dolphins draft thinking thinking they did this well. So uh, I think it's been fantastic. Not to totally change the, the direction of where we're at right now, but I was looking, I was just looking at Twitter. I love, you know, a lot of people give you know, social media and the way it's kind of taken over all of our lives. Like a lot of people criticize it and it's fair. It has. But one of the good things that come out of social media is sports teams having personalities with their Twitter and their social media. Like that is just a delightful thing when a team has has a, a good attitude and is funny with their social media. This weekend, the Arizona Diamondbacks, basically one random fan tweeted the Arizona Diamondbacks saying, hey, my buddy and a lady he's with are on their second date and I want to check in on them. <laughs> and the Arizona Diamondbacks responded like, oh, all right, we're into this. Where are they at? And it became this whole thing back and forth between this random guy and the Diamondbacks of just locate my friend. And then long story short, they ended up being on the Jumbotron. It was like a whole thread it just, I just love, it was like the Arizona Diamondbacks were so into it. They're like, oh, are, oh they just got up. They're going up to the con. Like it, they were reporting what the date was. It was just so funny. And it was just one of those things where I was like, can't this be what social media is? Why does it have to be negative? This is what I want my social media to be. Wow. Did the Diamondbacks continue to report on the date when it got serious toward the end and got into baby range or no? Uh, I mean, no, they didn't just, I mean, <laughs> okay. they did kind of make that joke when they were like, they went up to the concourse. We can't see them right now. Like that, that was kind of the joke. They were a little like less heavy handed than you were. But um, yeah, it was just, I just love it, man. I just like social media. There is good to be had on social media. So I just oh, wanted to show so. a little love, a little positive love for yeah. social media. You know, we, when you think of a, a fan, uh, you know, a, a team having a Twitter account, you got to break it down and realize that it's probably some 23-year-old kid with a sense of humor running the team account. And if he does it well, it has the ability to really humanize the team and, and make the team connect with fans. But, um, you know, Bob Baffert, uh, did you guys watch the Kentucky Derby or not? Yeah. I did too, and I'm so tired of Bob Baffert and his snow white hair winning every everything. Can, can I ask a question? I feel like there's a scam going on with horse racing when it comes to Bob Baffert, the owner, when it comes to the jockeys, like the best jockeys get to ride the best horses. Right. Like this John Velasquez, I refuse to believe that he's that much better than every other jockey when he always gets the best horses. That'd be like if a starting pitcher 
like we praise this starting pitcher for always winning World Series, but every year we put him on the World Series team. Yeah, horse racing is is so weird because the jockeys uh, they all weigh 119 pounds. Like they all have the same silhouette. They all look exactly the same. Uh, and, and I think we should experiment and do that with other sports. Can you imagine if every pitcher in Major League Baseball had to weigh 173 pounds? You know, what, what would that do to the competition? Tim Lincecum would be the best pitcher ever. Yeah. Because he'd be, he could be both a pitcher and a jockey? Yeah. I mean, you know, you'd have to drop weight. You'd have to gain weight. It'd be like in boxing. Oh, Dad, what do we have on the episode today? What are you excited about? Well, uh, we have a big... Uh, guest today but Christopher I'm going to let you introduce him because I can never figure out how to pronounce this dude's last name I, <laughs> I'm, I'm being very, I'm being honest I can't give it a try Greg yeah uh, give it a try Catalouid uh, <laughs> no okay we are having on today Tony Calateud Calateud I, I, <laughs> I don't think you got it right either Tony Calateud yeah okay hold on okay. Let, me, let me reset that we are having on today Tony Damn it. Now you got I swear to god I could say this dad before you just got in my head. Tony Kaladiud. 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 All right, no disrespect Matt Tony. Sorry. Today we are having on Tony Kaladiud from the shipping container. He's been up to a bunch of stuff recently. You haven't heard his voice in a while and we want to catch up to him. We've, there's been a lot of tweets from listeners saying, you know, with Levitar show and this show even like what happened to Tony? Where's Tony at? Tony joins us today, so let's get to it. I was thinking about it last night, Greg. I was wondering, man, I wonder what we're going to talk about. And I, I actually have something funny that happened to me as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you guys about. It happened to me last night around 3.45 in the morning, but I'll hold that till later. Okay. Well, now I'm kind of, ex- now I kind of want to talk about that. All right. <laughs> it's a very annoying thing that I'm sure everybody on the Zoom has had an issue with. The problem is mine is right in my room. So it's like very annoying. Well, that's funny that you mentioned that because having worked with you for a while, one of the things I remember about you is you saying that one of the things with your wife, your now wife that you've had to work on is peeing on the seat. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm just wondering, how is that going? Have you been better about peeing on the seat? Because no. it's something that honestly, Tony, can I admit this to you? I think about you every single time I pee on the seat. <laughs> do you clean it at least? I do. I okay. do. All I've right, gotten so better yeah. actually. And I think you saying that kind of triggered it in me. Like I need to get better at it. And I have. So funny how I've gotten better in that aspect of peeing on the seat and cleaning it before my wife sees it. I've regressed in other areas, right? Like as it's a sliding scale, like as I don't pee on the seat anymore, mm-hmm. I may not put as many dishes away as I yeah. used to. Mm-hmm. Or I may not put the laundry away as quickly as I used to. Like I had the laundry sit out on my sofa. My wife was actually off on Monday. So she did laundry and then she was folding stuff. She she loves doing the laundry and then kind of like folding it, but then leaving it out for me to put away. Uh. But then gets mad at me when I don't put it in the right places. So we have this always counterbalance of like, well, you did it. Well, why can't you put it away? So the clothes have been sitting out on the sofa for like three days. I'm with your wife. I don't find any... I- I don't I don't find any problem with like laundry just sitting in a laundry basket. Like, why can't I live out of my laundry basket? Why do I have to put my clothes away? And I was going back and forth from the sofa like, oh, I need a pair of boxers. Cool. I just go to the sofa, come back. Oh, I need a shirt. Perfect. Go to the sofa, come back. Dad, what annoy? What do you do that annoys mom? Like, what is your most annoying habit other than not listening? Um, I don't pee on the toilet seat and I'll tell you why. I'm going to make an admission here that uh, you probably sit. Isn't- you already you sit. I can already tell. I do sit. <laughs> You're a sitter, Greg? Wow. Not every time, but if I'm 
going to, you know, the older you get, the more you go to the bathroom. Like I'm up at least once a night, sometimes twice a night, I'm going to the bathroom. So (laughs) it's 3 a.m. I don't want to turn the lights on and everything. So rather than chance urinating on the thing, I just sit down. I find it luxurious. It's it's a, uh, this came up on Curb Your Enthusiasm once and everybody made fun of Larry David for sitting when he pees. I think it's totally normal. It's a part of my routine. You know what, Greg? I'm going to make an admission too, because you were brave enough to come out and say it. Thank you. From the hours of one in the morning to about five in the morning, I too will sometimes pee sitting down. Huh. Don't you enjoy it? it I do. Enjoy I love it. how Tony felt safe there. Like I he did. Like, you know what? I wasn't prepared to announce this, but you did it, Greg, and look at you. You're still here. Everything's fine. I'm going to do it too. That was a great moment. I felt seen. There's nothing like sitting down in the dark, Greg, right? Because that's that's half the key is like making sure that it's dark. You don't have to turn on the lights to bother your partner. Right. And then you kind of sit down. You look around. It's pitch black. You still got a little bit of sleep in your eyes. You take care of your business. You kind of do the old elbow turn. You flush and you're on your way. Right. I could not disagree with you guys more. That is my favorite time of night to pee. I love the game of aiming. If you if I if I miss, I'll clean it up. But I love no lights. Can't see the toilet. You're just going based off sound. And the key thing is when you're trying to go off sound, you're not aiming for the water. No, 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 because you're going to wake up your wife. You're aiming for the, the wall. So you don't want to hit the rim. You want to hit the backboard kind of. It's not really a backboard, but you get what I'm saying. That's what you want to hit. And I love yeah. that game. But but that's the advantage of sitting. Another advantage of the many to sitting is it's that you can to pee aim on the it. backboard. Yep. You you mm-hmm. aim it and you go right on the porcelain. You are peeing in perfect silence. Yes. It's like a sniper almost. It's gorgeous. I'm not going to lie. You guys have enticed me a little bit. I might, you know, as much as I love that game, I might next time give a sit a try. But, you know, sometimes, you know, me on the weekends, you get a couple too many brewskis in you. Sometimes that late night turns into a sitting session, you know, and that's always a fun one. Now, here's another admission I'm going to make. Um, while I uh, pee sitting down, I crap standing up. So... <laughs> I mean, what can I tell you? Can you explain to me the dynamics of that? Like, how does that work? Is that like, are you doing a split up in the air with like your foot on the wall? Like, what's happening? Yeah, exactly. I'm like Captain Morgan. You've got, you know, you've got one leg up. And... I'm, I'm trying to like visualize that at the moment. And I've got a good beat on what it looks like. Baby. And wow. I mean, I'm impressed. How about that? Yeah. I could go into gory detail here, but, uh, you know, it's a, it, we don't want to become an R-rated show. Or podcast, whatever the hell this is. I was going to say, I'm just, I'm a sleepwalker, so I just feel happy if I make it in the bathroom. But that, that, that takes the cake. Where's the weirdest place you peed? Luckily, only in the shower. Okay. Yeah. That's not weird. Yeah, I just woke up with the water running thinking I was flushing it. But it's always questionable considering that sometimes I end up out in the hallway or in my closet. Are you, and now I'm picturing stepbrothers and you putting like a pillow in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have a funny story that happened to me in college. It didn't happen to me. I was part of the story, but it happened to a buddy of mine. The names will remain anonymous. But I went to school uh, for a little bit in Orlando and I had a buddy, some buddies of mine that went up from Miami to Orlando with us. And we were over for a weekend before we had actually moved up. And, and a couple of our friends who listened to the show had already been at a two story kind of apartment place, right? Like a, a, a off house, off campus housing students thing. And we went out for a very debaucherous night Hell and yeah. there was a loft between the two rooms. So it was, if you can picture it almost like a U, there was two rooms, a bathroom connecting the middle. And then there was like an area out that had a loft over to the first floor. And we put out a bed and me and a buddy of mine slept in the air mattress while the other two guys slept in there. And then a couple guys slept downstairs and we had been out. We get back home. We finish drinking. Everybody's, you know, very, uh, very sauced up. I go to sleep and then I'm 
awoken by the sound of running water. And I'm like, okay, I, uh, I kind of get my bearings about me. I'm like, we're, we're in the loft. There's no bathroom unless somebody's turned the water on in the bathroom. Like it doesn't make sense. No waterfalls nearby. No waterfalls nearby that I can attest to. My buddy that was sleeping in the bed next to me, I saw him at the end of the hallway peeing <laughs> down the stairs <laughs> of the apartment. <laughs> so he's dangerous. just... He's just down there, just <laughs> peeing down the stairs. And I'm like, yo, yo, come on, come here. He was sleepwalking and didn't realize that he sleptwalked <laughs> to the hammered. base of the stairs. Oh so think God. about this, guys. He was at the base of the stairs, obviously relieving himself. If he takes one step down, he is flying down like two ramped sets of stairs and it turns into a completely different night. But I'll never forget the sound that <laughs> Yeti brought it up, like the sound of running water. It was such a powerful stream that it woke me <laughs> See, up. See, I have a story, and believe me, with debauchery nights i have two stories of friends peeing on things they shouldn't be peeing on just waking up in the middle of the night after being hammered and i never really given them the credit of saying they're sleepwalking i just assume that they're so torched and hammered that they <laughs> wake up and they just right. think they're in the bathroom more than they're actually sleepwalking but i mean we can call it sleepwalking if we want to be nice speaking of things in the middle of the night i was i was telling greg before the show there was something as you had asked me hey like let's do a pod and i said okay let's do it i was thinking of what we were going to talk about and the night that you had asked me i was up and you know just rustling around on the phone i finally get to sleep and i'm awoken by something at around like 3:45 in the morning and i'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on how often this happens in your house and where is it located making you get up from your bed and go attend to the issue so i have the smoke alarm that sits right in my room and i, I live in a one-one apartment like it's not that big so there's not many places for a smoke alarm picture my bed here on the back wall in the front where my tv is above it there's a smoke alarm and every two nights at three o'clock in the morning, it'll start beeping. Beep, beep. Oh, the worst. Usually I don't wake up. My wife usually nudges me and is like, hey, can you go take care of it? The first night it happened, it happened like maybe a month ago. The first night it happened, I had no idea what was going on. I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? She's like, turn it off. I'm like, uh, okay. So I grab a chair. It's, put it this way. It's tall enough where I can't reach it on my own. I have to get a chair. So I get a chair. It's like four o'clock in the morning. I put on my my light. I'm like looking at the at the instructions. It doesn't make sense. And I'm like, oh my God, like what is this? <laughs> There's finally a button that says push to stop. So I I press it. The problem is I was reading because I took a picture of it. I was reading like and and I don't know who makes smoke alarms, but they need to put the writing in better places. <laughs> like they put the instructions along the outside of the white part <laughs> on of the, the smoke roof. alarm. Yeah. So I'm like reading it like around in circles. <laughs> it says to stop it's the same button. <laughs> push and hold if you want to test every day push and hold or, or push to stop so imagine i pushed and held so now it's testing like every couple of days so the problem is i don't know how to make it stop now the night that you guys asked me hey let's do the pot i was thinking what can we do and then that happened and i was up from like 3 45 to like almost five o'clock in the morning just turning and tossing and turning was the worst do you guys have a smoke alarm that's gone off in your house where is it and how'd you make it stop you know what i'm i'm embarrassed to admit that we don't have smoke alarms in our house we used to <laughs> What? But we don't anymore. Jesus, Dad. I mean, nobody smokes. I mean, you know, I don't... <sighs> I mean, I'm for, smoking in bed. It's also for like a fire, you know, if you were sleeping and something caught on fire, you know, that old tale. I'll, I'll smell it. <laughs> I, I'm totally in a place of Billy Gill right now and trying to imagine him in your house if he ever had to stay the night there. Like, he wouldn't be able to sleep if he knew that you had no smoke alarms <laughs> in your house. No, he wouldn't. Don't you have a gas stove? No, it's electric. Yeah. No, it's electric. It's electric. Um, Do you have a carbon monoxide alarm? No. Greg, no. <laughs> Do you have a house alarm? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're rolling the dice here, man. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I love how he comes in and just one-ups Tony with just the most ridiculous thing that's like blowing <laughs> our minds. 
But Tony, that's a tricky game because you, I, any alarm thing, man, I'm always worried about like fidgeting with stuff, pushing buttons. I always think the shit's just going to go off. <laughs> I don't care what kind of alarm it is, whether it's like, uh, uh, I had, when I moved into this house, they had a, uh, ring.com thing. And it's like, this thing's been off for months, but I feel like as soon as I yank this thing off the wall, it's just going to go. Beep, beep, beep. So I, I hate alarms. No, they're battery powered, right? Honestly, that's, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Tony, that, that's the thing. I was surprised when you held it down. That's usually what makes it like go into full-blown test mode and it goes off and will just start ringing until you push it again. So I'm surprised that didn't happen to you. It beat for like three seconds continuously. It was like, beep, and then it stopped. And then like I looked around. Like I remember, I'm on a chair in my underwear, like looking at this tiny little white box and I'm like, okay, I think I'm good. And then all of a sudden it just happens every couple of days now and it's very frustrating. I tried to find the, the batteries on it. There's no battery pack. I can't take the battery out. It's ridiculous. All right, you know what? Enough beating around the bush. It's time to get to what everyone wanted us to talk about with Tony here. Tony, you're a big shoe guy. Um, I, a couple months ago for Christmas, got Yeezys. You okay? did. I and, remember. Uh, I know, I've, I know I've, I've given you the backstory of this before, but I'm really going to give you the full-on like tutorial here in a tutorial. Um, I bought Yeezys now. It's my second pair, and I wanted for Christmas Yeezys, so I sent my wife a link for Yeezys. Little did I know that they might have been Feezys, okay? So... <laughs> My my wife buys these shoes. They're much cheaper than Yeezy should be. I mm-hmm. get them for Christmas. They don't come at Christmas. They're like still coming in my and I'm like I'm like, honey, you got gypped. Like someone just took our money and they're partying with it. She's like, no, I think it's gonna come. And all lo and behold, the shoes finally show up. And then they're here. So Tony, I have Yeezys here. But they don't look. They look fake. Basically, they look fake. Why? Did, why? Because because you're a novice in the shoe game. Yes. Why do they look fake to you automatically? You know what? They don't look fake. I I, I spoke poorly there. They feel fake. Mm. I have two Yeezys here. I have my my black ones mm. that are definitely real because I paid a lot for them and they just feel the softest and the best shoe <laughs> I've ever worn. And these are just they just feel different, man. They're not. They're just rough. And, and I don't know. It's just like I know there's no way for you to dissect the feel of them through Zoom. But uh, I just like, what are the odds that like these are fake, right? Yes. Like they don't just sell Yeezys for $100. No, no. So that's that's the biggest thing, right? Like if you're ever confused as to or if you're wondering as to the shoes that I'm buying, are they real or fake? Check the price tag. And if it's too good to be true, it is <laughs> because shoes are at such a premium right now, as are a lot of things in the pandemic, right? Like I heard we're in a car shortage. Like I didn't know that was a thing. A like, cordage. Exactly. <laughs> so all these car makers are now not making cars or recalling cars or I have no idea. Chip Luckily, shortage. I, I think it's a chip shortage. There's a, a tomato shortage, shortage I yeah. heard. Now that there's a ketchup shortage. Like there's a lot of shortages. Pe- at opening day, I heard something about peanuts and Cracker Jack shortages. A lot of shortages. Hey, Yeti, get on that next week. All the shortages in the world next we week. We need to find them. Yes, on please. It. Email it to me. So when, and I'll, and I'll go back to something that happened during the pandemic around this time last year. Um, the Last Dance, obviously the 12 or 10 part series or whatever, Michael Jordan documentary series, completely threw off the shoe game as a, as a point of reselling and buying. Really? I threw it completely off. So you're talking about shoes that I was maybe able to get and I'm in my closet, so I can actually probably just stand up and, and get a pair. Let's see. Um, <laughs> do you guys want threes, fours? Oh, this guy. I'll take the fours. Hold on. I'll get the fours. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Give him some fours. I'm a four guy. Fours. What does that even mean? Oh, oh, see, here we go. Even I know this, the Jordan fours. See, come on, dad. You're not a shoey. My dad's not a shoey. No. Maybe, and maybe this, maybe this episode is me teaching your dad 
about shoes and maybe one day I'll get him a pair of something like this. So these Jordan 4s, which make an appearance actually in a couple of the episodes on The Last Dance, Phil Jackson's wearing them. Uh, obviously, Jordan's wearing them too. These are the bread 4s, right? Retro. And you can tell they're retro by the Nike Air in the background because some of them, I have another pair of 4s that are actually hard to get um, that have the- I feel like we're watching, I feel like this is Cribs right now. This is awesome. <laughs> That's that's the Jordan emblem. So this is the Nike Air emblem that came out in the 80s, but they just retroed it um, probably a year ago. So these shoes, when they come out, are like $225, right? The issue that Last Dance created was there is an entire subset of kids, right? And what's the... I'm a millennial. So what's the generation under me? Gen Z. Is that Gen X? Gen or, Z? Or something. One of the gens. One of the gens. They had no idea about shoes. They didn't care about shoes. They didn't care about Michael Jordan. All of a sudden, all of those kids that are now on TikTok and Instagram are now saying, you know what? This is the coolest thing of all time. I need to buy them, right? So and they're screwing it up for all of us. They completely ruined the game for everybody. These shoes that I have that if you would have bought just at the store or on sneakers app. That's a whole nother discussion that I don't want to get into today because I want this to be a lighthearted podcast. Um, these shoes, you could have probably bought them for $300. Now those shoes, you'd have to be hard pressed to fight them for like $550, $600 a pair, right? So the, the game wow. has completely changed to where even, even shoes that people were like, oh, they're great. But so, and I'm sorry, this is it's, it's like a crash course, right? There's particular colorways of Jordans and of sh- different sneakers that are more rare co- color combinations. Anything that has black and red, like a bread colorway, is going to be more expensive because they're the original retro Jordans, right? The first band that came, the band Jordan 1s, Greg, that you remember coming out, where everybody was, oh my God, how can you have a black sneaker, right? And it was like, it, it seems so like funny to say that now, but 1985, like that was a huge deal. People were going crazy because Michael Jordan had a black and red sneaker. So now those sneakers have become so sought after that the same band one sneakers that Jordan wore are now selling for $900, $1,000 a pair. Um, I have to say I am the opposite of a shoey. Uh, in, in fact, I'm, quite frankly, I've done it back in my day making fun of people who paid $100 for shoes. And so, Tony, I have to ask you this. When, when you show a shoe like that that's valuable, that costs a lot of money, is that a collectible to you? Like, like you're afraid to wear it because it's going to devalue? How does that work? So yes and no, right? Like I've, I've gotten to a point where there's only one pair of shoes that I probably won't ever wear again. Like when you really like sneakers and you get into this for the right reason, like I've been collecting and wearing sneakers. <laughs> the right reason. No, no. And I'll, and I'll explain to you in a second. So the right reason is you you actually like and care about shoes. Like I remember starting buying Jordans and saving up for shoes when I was 12, 11, like 10 years old, like really caring about them. Now it's all about flipping them, right? Like if I get these shoes, I can sell them for max profit, 800 bucks, 700 bucks, and I make 400, right? So there's become a cottage industry of reselling shoes, which is why- Is that the right reason? No, that's the, that's the wrong <laughs> that's reason. The wrong that's reason. not playing for the love of the game. See, I play for the love of the game. So you're now in it for, you started for the right reasons, but now you're in it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Why are you exposing me? <laughs> so there's only one pair of shoes that I won't wear anymore. And I don't know if you can see them. I, I think they're going to be hard to get. They're actually right right around here. And they're the, the Kobe Venice Beach 8s, okay. which I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll bring them down. The magic of editing. Hold on. <laughs> Leaving I'd like all. us all to say say our shoe size. Um, Why? I'm an 11. <laughs> just just for fun facts. Yeah. I'm a 13, so it's it's a little bit more difficult to get them. 13. Look at you, baby. I'm a 12. I'm a 14. Triple E. 
Oh, what is triple E? Hold on a second. It's wide. Oh, oh, girth, Tony. It's girth. Oh, geez. Double, double baby. <laughs> so these I probably won't ever wear again. Um, these are Venice Beach Kobe 8s and, and they're Venice Beach. They have like a tie dye like colorway that is very rare. Color wheel. Yeah. Like <laughs> that. What are you talking about? It's just a dad. That's just a cool way of saying what colors you want to watch. I mean, where? And obviously, since the passing of Kobe last year, Kobe sales and the price of Kobe's have gone through the roof. And now that that their deal is done with Nike, like it's going to be very difficult to to go and get those shoes, like even on the secondary and tertiary markets, like the prices are going to be astronomical. So I got into it because I loved shoes and it's hard to see people just buying and selling shoes like a commodity now, even though it, it really is because the like you said, Greg, like I wear basically all of my shoes, right? Like I take pride in wearing expensive shoes because are you wearing and washing like you're washing right after you wear every time? So not really like in the sneaker community, there's something called beaters, right? And that's the shoes that you wear kind of every day or the shoes that you wear that you don't really take care of <laughs> beaters. And I have, I have a couple pairs of those as I look up, but a couple beaters, I, are you yeah. like a couple beaters a week? Um, probably the pandemic has slowed me down a lot though. Like I just wear running shoes now because they're more comfortable. Um, actually, my wife just walked in the door and I just I want to report to you that you bought me fake Yeezys. How can you firm? Well, you know, just because the feel of them and if it's if the price is too good to be true, it is. That's what I learned from Tony. You sent me the link. I did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're fake according to an executive member of the shoe community. So that's positive information. It's all my fault. I just wanted to give her shit. (laughs) It, It happens when, again, like when you see the price is too good to be true, it usually is. And that's kind of for anything, right? Like you see something that's that's really nice. You're like, wow, wait a second. This car is only $4,000, but it's a $25,000 car. What's wrong with it? Oh, nothing. I'm going to buy it. What if it's a fake shoe with a fake price tag? In other words, it's a fake shoe, but they're charging you 800 bucks. So you'll think it's a real shoe. Mm. I'm surprised they don't do that, honestly, right? Like, why wouldn't these companies like like make their price look like because there's idiots like me that's why okay well no here here's the thing so people have gotten wise to the scam Except and so the reason why that you buy on StockX or goat which has become the two go-to for verified verified right yeah. so they they send them to a third party the third party will take them they'll look across almost like almost like an art gallery there's but the material though i like the idea of this process being it goes to some guy and some guy's job is just to like rub the shoes and like caress them and be like these are good then you yeah. pass them along. He for sure looks at the at the texture, at the stitching, because a lot of the ways that you can tell whether I mean, of course, all these shoes are made in China. They're made in, let's see, where where's Taipei or whatever it is. Like they're all being made at the same factory, but not by the same people. Would you want that job? Would you want that job of being like a guy that's like job is just to like an authenticator? Yeah, an authentic a shoe authentic a shoe authenticator? No, absolutely not. I'd rather just wear it than have it authenticated. But there's there's ways that you can tell by like the stitching, if the stitching is off, if there's, you know, jagged marks on some of what the sewing is. Like there's easy ways to tell. But have you guys seen on Netflix um the Boston uh, art heist? I have not. So it's about this and I'm trying to think of the artist. I think it was a Rembrandt. There was a bunch of Rembrandts that were stolen out of an art gallery in Boston and they've never recovered them. And it just brings me back to the shoes where you have these art, you know, authenticators that go to different places, take a look at, you know, the oil, the canvas, how the frame was put together. And let's say, oh, this is a fake. And somebody bought it for $5 million thinking it was a legitimate Rembrandt and it wasn't. So it, it goes into the details of, of like finding stuff and like seeing if things are actually legitimate. Like that part to me is interesting, even though I wouldn't want to get into it. No, I mean, that, that, that reminds me of the experience we had 
when we were going through the baseball card phase a little while ago. Mm-hmm. You send them away to essentially be valued, uh, not so much authenticated, but you know they they look at the the line of the border, they look at the uh, the corners have to be perfectly sharp, and so what you think is uh, a card worth four hundred dollars might be worth eighty, and and vice versa. You know it's crazy, but you know you end up spending twenty dollars to have a single card valued, and the card the card might be worth sixty bucks, and so you're spending thirty percent of the card's value. It doesn't make any sense to me. And the dirty secret is that all these things cost money, right? Like even if you're buying or selling, you're still paying those processing fees, which are those, if I, I'm going to sell a pair of shoes now, probably in the next like two days, and I'm going to pay $40 in processing fees just because it's, they got to send it to an authenticator. They got authenticated then they got to send it back. So everybody's getting their, their scratch, right? They're back scratched, Greg. I think we got to get into the authentication game. Now, you know what? I'm back in. I'm, I'm in on authenticating. <laughs> For the wrong reasons, it sounds like. Ah, ah. What's your uh, in-game shoe for your Rec League All-Stars? Wow. Um, Right now, I'm... Probably a beater, right? Yeah. Right now, I'm actually wearing the Giannis 2 the zoom freak twos um i actually have them they're not in my closet I'm, I'm doing the podcast from the closet and i'm not i don't have them with me um i've played in i played in every shoe that you can probably imagine uncomfortable or not i've played in threes i've played in fours i've played in tens i've played in eights these are all jordans by the way and like let me see if i can uh a little bit of a messy closet my bad um, these are LeBron eights over here, Jordan twelves. Uh, you're just flexing on us now. You know what? <laughs> like this guy's just doing MTV cribs full on. Yeti, to answer your question, my favorite shoe to play in was actually before I had to to uh, retire them was the Kobe eights. They were like super lightweight, super low cut on the ankle, um, which was positive and negative. But for me, it was it was just they were so lightweight that they allowed me to do more, even though I'm not fast by any means whatsoever. <laughs> Tony. My man, see, this is why I want. Why'd you Why'd you laugh at that, Greg? <laughs> this whole world where you're saying, you know, you played in eights and fours and five, it's just so foreign to me that it's funny to hear the language of uh, of shoeies. What are your boat shoes? Are Are they the boat shoes three? Like which which what number series? What, I have yeah. no idea. They're deck shoes. Hang on, let me look. Hang on. <laughs> Oh, Tony's actually Tony's actually whipping out some boat shoes right now. Greg, I've got uh, caramel Sperry's. <laughs> are they something like this? Yeah, these are Sperry's. What do you have, Dad? They're Sperry's. Ooh. Ah. They look like the same shoe, but mine are darker brown. He's got the more mocha leather brown. Yeah. I like that. He is a ganky. I like Tony's style better. I like the lighter. Yeah. Really? A little yeah. more caramel, you know, for, for nice uh, Hampton evenings. Yeah, see, mine are old, though. You know, we're starting to crack a little bit, like right here. Here's a, see, if I wanted to resell this, that little imperfection there would. It would cost you. Yeah. Yeah. It would cost you. That'd be a dear, dear mistake. God, I would pity the person that had to authenticate those shoes. <laughs> but we'll sign them. So it's good. Greg, what size are you again? 11? I'm an 11, yeah. <laughs> Little baby feet. Okay. I'm going to, when's your birthday, Greg? September 10th. September 10th. I'm going to get you a pair of Jordans for your birthday, September 10th. Okay. No. Yes. No. Yes. Wow. No, don't do that. I, I, yes. Size 11. I don't deserve Jordans. I don't even wear sneakers. Size 11. I'm going to put it in my calendar. No, don't do that. Uh, it's like I don't buy new golf irons because my game doesn't deserve them. My feet don't deserve new shoes. My dad would look so funny in Jordans. <laughs> I'm adding it in my calendar right now. Greg's birthday. <laughs> I'm going to find a pair for you that are, see, this is the thing. I'm, I'm going to be like your personal stylist, right? I'm going to take into account what you do on a daily basis, how you feel on a daily basis, and replicate that emotion and then put it into a shoe that you can wear at nice dinners, 
at galas. One of the one of the cool things that when we went to Dan's wedding a couple of years ago was watching Tony Reale walk in with a jet black suit and a pair of fear of God. They're like six hundred dollars, and he was which wore the shit out of it. That guy's so cool. Wow. Oh. Marty Smith, another guy, parachuted in from Saban's jet that just dropped him off at the wedding. He was wearing Jordan ones. Like everybody looks so good wearing the the formal attire with the sneakers. So Greg, next time you have the PFPI gala, you have maybe something with the ceremony for the Miami Herald. Like anytime you go to do a very fancy thing, I'm going to get you a pair of Jordan ones. That would be great. Honestly, dad, you should do that. <laughs> I'm getting them for you. September 10th. Just be, be expecting. Them. By the dry- way, Tony, my birthday is May 20th. Anyways, Tony, <laughs> thank you so much, dude. It was so like that. What I tell you about having Tony on, no one can shoot the shit. Like Tony, okay? I don't even know what we talked about in that segment, but it was like one of the most fun interviews we've done in a while. But well, on the way out, like talk to the people, like what's new, what, what's co- what's coming up for you, what's what's good, man? You never know. Oh. Uh-oh. Love it, love it. What do you think he means by that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> thanks, Tony. Uh, difficult last name to pronounce. Yep. And... um we enjoyed it. That was fun. Good catching up with Tony. A voice not heard lately. Now, Greg, I have a quick, I have a quick question you know, off off camera, so to speak. He, uh, Tony, revealed one more thing to us. Mm. That's that you don't follow him on Twitter. Have <laughs> oh. you remedied that situation? And that made him sad. Have you yeah, remedied that situation? I have remedied that situation. Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, and are you sure you followed the right person? Because with you, you never know. Uh, well, you know, I, I there's the criminal. Uh, Tony Coladiud. Yeah, yeah. I, I texted Christopher saying, uh, "What's his Twitter handle so I can follow him?" And I, and of course, he never got back to me, so I had to find it on my own. I finally did, and I followed him. And you know, it's what you guys must do this, where you think you follow somebody, but you don't. No, we're not that big of celebrities like you. Like we just oh. we kind of know who we follow, and you know, Greg, I have less than a thousand followers, so I and I follow even less people, so uh, <laughs> I don't have that problem. Come uh, on, people, let's follow Yeti Blanc on Twitter. Yeah, seriously. I want Yeti Blanc to be over a thousand by next week. Let's get him to two thousand. Yeti Blanc underscore. Yeah, let's get crazy. Yeah, let's let, you know. Here let's take go. it a thousand at a time, shall we? Okay. Before we get out of here, I want to um, congratulate my good friend Dan Levitard for his fifty million dollar deal with DraftKings this past week. Well, Doctor Evil, there you had there. <laughs> and make no mistake, you know it's Meadowlark Media striking this deal, but it really isn't. It's Levitard's show. I mean, Dan Levitard drove this entire deal, and um, this guy has found a way to land more than land on his feet uh, after leaving ESPN after so long. I want to know what does this mean for Greg Cody and his contract status. Mm-hmm. With let's make a little news here. Let's get a little scroll going. Yeah. Is 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 Greg? Is there? You know, is Greg Cody getting a part of this 50 mil? Is his is he going to be with the show moving forward? Do we want to just tease the audience and make it seem like he might, might not be just for some clickbait? Like, how do we want to handle this? And do you want me to tease Greg about actually being responsible for everything Dan Levitard by mentoring him? That's you true. You did mentor him. Like, I feel like you should get some sort of finder's fee for being yeah. the mentor of him at the Miami Herald. Yeah, like a vigorous maybe. I'd take 5%. I mean, I I'll, bet take, you would. I'll take 2.5 million and, uh, and not say a word about it. Um and, but to answer your question, I'm going to answer it truthfully. I assume I'm going to continue to be uh, on the show on Tuesdays, but uh, I don't know that yet because I don't. I haven't been approached by Metal Lark or Dan or anybody. His agent hasn't talked to your agent yet? You know, yeah, well, you know, my agent, you're looking at him. 
I mean, I'm I'm a one man show. Uh, I my, I'm married to my lawyer, and I am my agent. So uh, I have not been uh, talked about that. But Dan's Dan did shoot me a text, basically saying uh, I've been so busy. You know, I'll, I'll I'll get with you. So that's all I know right now. Anyway, let's move on. And uh, Pod Family, want to thank you all for joining us again this week. So we're week. moving on to the end of the episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hey, podcast family, thank you again for joining us and listening every week. Really appreciate your loyal support. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Actually, it's not, they've changed the lingo. It is now follow. Subscribe implies that you're giving some sort of payment. So they've changed it. So we want you to rate, review, and follow us. And uh-huh. if you already do, unfollow, refollow. Come on, it really helps us out, guys. We want to we climb up these charts. Good point. Um, yeah, you so what, what you do is you subscribe to the Miami Herald, you pay them money, but then you uh, you follow the great Cody show with Chris Cody and Yeti Bunk. See y'all next week.